You're listening to The Contrary Beekeeper Show I'm Dan I'm Greg And I'm James Join us as we journey into beekeeping While we learn to be the change One hive at a time Welcome back to the podcast guys It's been a while It's nice to have Jimbo back in the studio here It is We're all back, the three amigos Yeah, it's been a while if we're the three something, what would we be? What other? There's amigos. There's musketeers. Bro- Stooges. Stooges. Yeah, I like broham. Blind mice. That's three, pretty. I think blind mice more fitting. Yeah. yeah, the blind leading the blind here. Right. Isn't that the premise of our podcast? Is the blind leading the blind? That's totally. Because we're experts, so you, everything we say you can do. You should just follow along, and it'll work out perfect. <laughs> <laughs> just just like where we all kind of are with our beards right now just well, if we, absolute if we perfection. followed that logic we would have been over a few shows ago when you told us the secret of beekeeping what's the secret of that? beekeeping the greg burns secret of beekeeping is don't kill your bees remember See, that what else more is there talking I about thought exactly the secret, i thought the, the secret was get a pdc right nah i wonder how many beekeepers even know what a pdc is I'm sure there's some out there that do. Yeah. I got duped into that. Maybe we should create a BDC. Actually, I think there is one of those. <laughs> I, I, actually, I think Michael Jordan might have that one. Yeah. He, he might have patented that name. There's always so many ways to learn and uh, try to find where you fit and what style rings true with you. And here's the three of us with three completely different... Uh, methods of beekeeping and mental approaches and time restraints and time we have to to put into the bee yard and for it seems like uh this time of year uh at least for us here you get to a certain point to where you end up playing a lot of games with yourself mentally because uh, you feel like you've been doing a whole lot of tail chasing that's for sure this past year well, we haven't had a chance to uh catch up jimbo with you in your yard uh how are things uh going up there in your yard and how's this bee uh, keeping season been for you well they're go- it's going good now uh it's, it's been um interesting season so far uh i i i've been having, having a lot of work this past season uh personally we're just uh between you know websites and weddings that i'm doing and i you know i'm working six days a week you know and trying to balance uh, you know family life along with that and everything it's just been crazy hectic so needless to say i've been kind of neglecting my hives a little bit this past uh summer uh not proud to admit that or anything but it is what it is and um i think that's something that all of us in this room have done you're not alone with that one i i hope not but or i mean i hope so i don't know i don't know what i hope on that one <laughs> it makes you feel better if i'm not the only one but then again you don't want anybody to have to go through that um i would say beginning of the beginning of the season you know we you know we started off with three hives and uh one of those hives had swarmed due to neglect um it was probably about about a month month in between of me not checking the the bees and when they swarmed and all of a sudden one day i'm getting a a uh, phone call from the guy who cuts my grass you know feliciano and he said hey he says you know your bees are all leaving right now if you want to catch them come home so i you know i came home and he had uh he's you know he pointed out to me where they were all out in, in the tree and he's like i'll help you get them back in, a, in another box and so uh 
you know, you know, he's a, he's an old school Guatemalan beekeeper, so you know he's crazy and you know he's like, I don't need no suit from you, and like you know, he's like, I'll I'll just cut the branch down and I'll just shake it all in the box and whatever, and so I mean that was kind of cool going through that with another person that you know, I've you know another person who's a beekeeper of you know, I've never seen you know you know before with him. And so, you know, he had helped me cut the branch down and like, you know, I had shook the branch while he was right there at the box getting, you know, all the bees in there. And so that was an experience catching my own swarm. <laughs> Wasn't catching somebody else's swarm, but catching my own. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It got to that point for me this year, too. Yeah. So what what caused things to get so busy and where did the bees sit on your priority list? So the bees, unfortunately, were like very low on my priority list uh, because when you're in business for self, your clients come first. Yeah, you strike when the iron's hot, and you, you know, the, the 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 paycheck's not going to magically come in the mail next week, is it? No. Yeah, and you got you know clients who are like, "Where's my stuff at?" You know, it's like you know, and you got like, "We're about getting you." You see your paycheck, you know. It's like. You know, it's it's not working a nine to five job or eleven to seven job or whatever that's for the for the man that you know, like it doesn't matter what you do afterwards, you know. You know, it's a lot of strange hours and you know, that never goes, turning it off. It's yeah. it's a twenty four hour thing. When you're self employed you're always on the clock. Just because you're if you're not like for you if you're not designing something or shooting a wedding or making prints, yeah, just because you're not in front of a computer doing all that you're still on thinking, making phone calls, checking up on emails, you know, worrying about this, worrying about that, you know, trying to get this moving this way. It's it's a nonstop thing. So it's a little bit different than if you, you know, not to say one's a luxury versus the other. Because I think a lot of folks go into beekeeping and they try to go down the commercial route um, so they can also be self-employed and do some of the things that uh, some of us are already doing. So it's a mental a lot of there's a there's more even with beekeeping it's more mental work than it is the physical aspect wouldn't you think oh yeah for sure and then it's like you know on top of that like you, you like you get away from the computer screen and we have this thing called a smartphone now which is a tiny computer in your hands basically which is now an extension of your work as a small business owner when you're home now like it's also it's a blessing and a curse. It is. It's a blessing because it really keeps me connected, but it's a curse because it keeps me connected. You yeah, know. you can't hide. Yeah, you, you can't hide. And like, especially if you have a bunch of buddies who have like a message thread going, and it's just nonstop jokes and memes and shenanigans <laughs> yeah. all day long, and just your phone just buzzes and buzzes and buzzes. And, <laughs> but apparently, you can ignore those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you oh, know. we know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, you, sometimes you tend to ignore things when you're like you need to take a break. But yeah, I've, I get texts. I'll get texts at midnight saying, "Hey, my website's you know having some issues or whatever." Yeah, because you're you're yeah, folks are or you know you're helping folks meet their needs so they can be in business, uh, and a lot of that's web based, and so it's twenty four hours a day. Yeah. So and it's like you know so the time you do take for yourself, you're just you know you're exhausted and you're just like I just need time to decompress, you know and and it's like bees are the last thing on my mind, you know, sometimes. Even though they really should be because they are a very, you know, a zen thing to do. I, you know, but when your body's just like, I'm just not into it right now. You can't you can't force yourself uh, to get out there or want to be out there. It's one of those things where you, you feel like, okay, I'm ready to go. And then you can, you know, 
do a, a good job out there, not only physically, but be in a place mentally where you can actually understand and see what's going on, make decisions, rather than just feeling like, well, it's been X amount of time has gone by. I should probably get out there and go do something. But I don't really want to because I've got this and this and this and this. It's 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 more of a, a, the mental game on figuring out you know why it is you're going out there, what needs to be done, knowing that even ahead of time. So when you are caught up in the midst of complete chaos with home and business and everything else, you at least know uh, have some some kind of idea of what it is you're about to go get into to see if you even have enough time to go do that you got to have time and you got to have the mental space to do it because if you don't have the mental space those bees are going to know and the funny thing about the bees is they don't care about your schedule and they don't care about all those things that are going on they're going to do what they're going to do and uh you will end up paying the price one way or the other that's for sure so what happened what happened with the (laughs) hives there so you start off with three and then got a little bit behind in your inspections, and then one swarm. And then what what happened from there? Oh, so you know, yeah, we had the we had the swarm and it got behind and everything. And then so got them in the box, uh, checked on them in like the, in the next couple of days, and they were all still they stayed. The swarm stayed, um, which is I'm like, cool, great, you know. And then maybe like like a week or a week and a half later, uh, you came you came along, Greg, and you had you had a job up near me and decided to help me and you know do, do more inspections on my uh, on my bee yard. And I think we 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 turned the uh, so the swarm the swarm hive was then an added basically an added fourth an added fourth uh, hive because there were a lot of bees still left from the swarm. Right, because there was there was a queen in there, and there was, she was laying eggs. Yeah, yeah. So there was yeah, there was a, that was already a queen. They're laying eggs. So, so that was an added fourth, and then and we had inspected everything, and then we had and I, and I can't remember why we decided to do another split. We ended up having five. That's actually a pretty good uh, thing to kind of dive into because the hive that swarmed when it swarmed it left half the hive behind and a virgin queen. Yes. And then the hive, when it swarmed, it took off with half the population and the mated queen. You caught them out of the tree, got them back into a box. So you automatically had one extra colony uh, because of how that you know swarm happened. But I remember uh, when I was talking to you about that. Yes. Do you remember, wh- where were you at mentally with your goals um, with the bees, were they completely on back burner? Whatever happened, happened because you only have so much mental bandwidth at one time, and it was all being focused. I would assume on business stuff and family stuff. Yes, I mean, at the beginning of the season, my goal was to say I wanted to be like at nine hives by the end of the season, mm-hmm. and uh, that totally took a back burner to 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 work and family. Yeah, uh, more, and I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna say as much family as more work. Work is just what. Yeah, really yeah. got to me. Right, and so yeah, my my lofty goals of having going into winter with nine highs quickly went down the drain. Um, you know, even like when we we caught up with everything and we luck, you know, and I you know, caught the swarm and just in time, and we made a few more splits. It's like even then I could have maybe still met some of my goal, but then again, work came along again through the summer. So while I haven't been able to maintain the the, the bee yard, um, I haven't been able to grow the bee yard. 
because uh, I, I I've been doing just enough to keep them there. What was what's, what was your initial um, focus or what was your initial desire to grow the bee yard? What what were you looking for in a bee yard to where you felt like you had to put a number on it and you had to grow it to a certain size? I you know I think because last year I lost my hives. I wanted to be able to feel like I had a better chance going in, going in the winter of coming out of the next winter with a, a hives that were alive. Yeah, numbers game. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know, I, 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 there's no way I expected to come out with nine hives, but I was like, I have a better chance coming out with maybe three hives, maybe you know six hives, you know, at, you know, somewhere in between those two. So it was a, it was purely from a win or loss standpoint then. Yeah, that that was that you know because. I was out, and we, you know, more honey be be excellent in the spring, but you know, no, that was a numbers game just so I can come out alive and yeah, you know, keep ahead on the money. You want to talk talk to us a little bit about when we did get into the hives, kind of you know what we saw, what the how the bees react to um, neglect's an awful strong word, but when life gets busy and we don't get time to get out there to maintain these bees in these boxes that we provide for them they're going to react a certain way and they're going to do things how they want to do things it was a pretty chaotic uh moment snapshot but do you can you remember what it was like inside the hives the condition and kind of what we did about it i remember the 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 one hive um the frames were just they were just like I mean, it was a thing of beauty, but it was a thing of chaos at the same time. Uh, the way that they were just putting on honey in the one hive, um, it looked like something out of nature almost. Because uh, you know, you just because you weren't you weren't pulling these frames on. I mean, I wasn't, not you. I wasn't pulling out these frames on a regular basis. So they were going to draw it out whatever way they wanted to at that point because I wasn't you know pulling them out. They were just staying still. And um, so then that you know that allows for the size to get built up a little bit weirder, and then on the bottoms and the tops, they're just flat out of space, so they're drawing comb everywhere, everywhere. on everything, in Every- between, on top. Mm-hmm. And, and that just made for complete chaos, especially. Good. And then there's also like you know when they're putting more brood on on the bottom of the frames, you know, and, you know, and that, and that was just like you know now I'm having to cut off all these you know all this brood on the bottom bars where any bee space is they're filling it yeah yeah there's space they're filling it what when we were so when we were going to the high when we started off you had three three hives the one had swarmed uh so then uh, we had four hives when we were first getting in, in under your stand and working the hives and we started cracking open the lids and getting inside and looking and do you would you it's it's kind of until you see it and hear it and smell it uh, and, and and feel the kind of the, the vibe and the energy of the hive, but when you open it up and you see all that, like what what's your first thought when you crack open a lid and see complete chaos inside of the hive? Uh oh, damn! <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, and like you know, it's it's chaos, but let's figure this out. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I didn't. I don't think I went into like too much of a, a thought process on that. You know, um, I, I I know what I did or what I didn't do. Yeah, and it's like now it's just time to fix this, right? Um, 
I can't. And I can't. I can't remember why we decided to make that fifth split. To be honest, I don't know if you do, Greg, or not. So I know it was uh, when I was sensing as it was there was so much going on in the stand, and when we got into the first hive, just the first one, the condition of the hive was such that they were going to do whatever that they wanted to do, and the hive was just cross combed and burr combed and side combed and just smeared with comb everywhere which meant there was nectar falling out everywhere there was brood and all they were just cramming whatever resources they could in any place right before they were getting they were also about ready to swarm as well That's and so right. and yeah. so when we first opened that hive up you you know we were, and I was talking to you about what your what are your goals for your yard what and you were, you were still you wanted to make four or five more splits or however many splits you can you can you want you, you wanted to do it and so when I first opened up the hive and I at, at first uh, I was just standing back and just kind of guiding you through the whole process of mm-hmm. trying to get all the frames cleaned up, you know, get get things you know uh, cut off, cleaned up, put back, um, get the brood where it needs to go, but they get the nectar where it needs to go, and then start talking about cutting out queen cells and, and things like that to make the splits. There there was just an overwhelming sense of just complete chaos, and I was kind of also picking up on you that you also sensed the condition that the hive was in, and. I, I, I remember asking you, you know, and, and saying it is, I don't mean anything by it, Jimbo, but are you sure you actually want to make any more splits? Because unless you can magically make more time or cut time away from anything else in life right now, this what we're seeing right now, we're probably going to see in every hive that's on the stand, but then it's going to be times five or six or seven or ten, however many splits. Do you, do you honestly think that you can... You can do well by the bees. I remember uh, that. Yes, I remember that conversation. Yeah. And then it was just like, I don't, to me, it was almost like a light switch. Uh, not that a light switch came on, but it was more like, hey, it's okay not to try to, to push ourselves um, when we're right in front and we can see what's in front of us. And here's the result. It's okay to take a step back. It's okay to look mm-hmm. at the feedback in front of us and say, hey, maybe 10 hives or 15 hives for me this year isn't a good idea sometimes we need to we we need someone to to say something to us you know to kind of you know like it's not putting that light on our head but just to kind of put things in perspective for us yeah that's a good way to put it yeah you know someone who's not our wife by the way you know (laughs) (laughs) someone that we respect (laughs) i'm so glad my wife doesn't listen to this (laughs) i don't even know if my wife listens to this or not but you know no i mean but you know the ones that closest to us like our wives are like you know i think sometimes we kind of like we dismiss sometimes yeah. You know, you know, because it's easy to. I'm not saying that's right, but you know, like because we have this macho mentality. Like, no, I'm gonna do this. You know, you need someone to be able to uh, to to cut through it. Susan's real good about cutting through uh, me, uh, especially because let's let's not. All, if, if anyone's listening, uh, and they're in pretend land that. Uh, mentally they're in some some kind of beautiful space all the time and everything works out magically and all that uh i guess we need to have you as a guest speaker uh and we can all learn from you but the reality the fact is every single one of us has we have goals we have things that we're working through mentally physically financially um and there's this tricky little thing called ego that always pops in yep and when you say you're going to do something you now are even held accountable by yourself or your ego or whatever you think people might think or say or do you need whether it's your wife or it's a buddy or it's a neighbor or sometimes it's just 
uh, it's indirect. You'll hear somebody say something on a podcast or a YouTube video, and then it'll it jars you out of your egoness to where you're thinking, really? I, look, look at my hives. Can I really handle eight times the volume of this when I can't handle three and keep them clean? But I think what was important about that little moment in time is it's important to have friends that you trust and you can speak open with. Because I didn't feel like I was going to hurt your feelings by saying, hey, maybe we ought to slow down a little bit and see if we can't focus the time on what you do have rather than trying to grow this to a point to where this is going to be like a compounding issue. You hit it on the head. You know, I got, you know, I, you guys are both my friends that I can trust and know that, like, like I'm not going to be butthurt if you say something to me that's not in line with what I want to hear because it's, you know, what I want to hear versus what I need to hear are two different things. Yeah. And you need to have those friends, especially in beekeeping, that could, you know, you know, hone you back in, you know, into that perspective. Yeah. We got your hives put back together. We went through all of them. Uh, there were some queen cells, so you got to see a bunch of things uh, from the feeling of, oh my God, I'm so far behind. What are these hives doing? To a point to where, okay, we're going to get them all cleaned up, put all, get them all put back, have a learning opportunity. And Melissa was able to come out and see what we were mm-hmm. doing as well. And then we did make a split on one of them, and then we end up with I think what five hives or so. Yep. Yeah. And, and, I, and I definitely, and, and like, this is like a side note of what I learned in that opportunity, which, you know, uh, I, up until this year, I had a hard time spotting uh, one day old. Right. Uh, you know, eggs. Yeah, eggs. You know, the little you know, things, grains of rice, basically. Yeah. And, you know, something you had said to me, and, and, it, and, that, and it rings in my head every time that I go through my hives now, and it makes it so much quicker. Is that once you once you learn how to spot that one day old uh, you know egg, you'll never unsee it ever again. You can't unsee yep. it. You can't unsee. Yeah, you can't unsee it. And I, you know, my my whole first year, I kept you know trying to look at it, look at it, look for it. Unless it's on cr- white plastic foundation. Yeah. Well, you get some real white fresh wax, and you can't hardly see them. It's it's yeah, they're, it's all challenging. But once you learn how to see it, yeah, like the whole first year, I I tried seeing it, and it's like it was just so hard for me. I don't and I don't know why, but like it just clicked in my head now. Like I can't unsee them now. Now, like when I go with my friends, I'm like, yep, there it is, there it is, there. And then now in my head, I'm like, okay, so there's a queen here still. It's saving you time, isn't it? It's saving me a lot of time. I'm not looking for the queen now. How many times have you gotten lost when you start to crack open a hive? You think, okay, I'm supposed to get in here and look for stuff, but I kind of forget what I'm supposed to be in here doing. I forget what I'm looking for, and then automatically go for it. Well, i got to find a queen. It's the automatic thing you're supposed to do in beekeeping. Is that for some reason, you're supposed to find your... Hell, I mean, that could take you three hours. It can take you three seconds sometimes. Right. You yeah. don't know what that's going to take you. But you can find those, once you can see those eggs, you can you find, find the them. evidence of the queen being there, and that can literally shave 15 minutes off a hive. If it, if you're a beginning beekeeper and it's taking you 20 or 30 minutes to go through a hive or longer. And at that point, what you're looking for is queen cells, just to make sure there's not, you know, anything funky going on. So it's like a, it's, it's a, it's like anything else. You, you progress as you start to learn things and have experiences. Uh, you know, I know Dan and I have, have talked about it. When you have things that go south in a bee yard or in life, uh, the first thing we want to do is feel like it's a failure. But it's only a failure if you're not learning anything from it. And then the failure there, I don't think, is with uh, whatever action that it is. The failure is you mentally. You know, So these things happen, and they're opportunities to learn about yourself, about the bees, uh, about where that all fits in together. Um, and... I guarantee you, 
if anyone's listening and this is that's never happened to them in their B yard, that the B yard has never gotten ahead of them, it's never gotten away, uh, they're lying to themselves. Because, you know, it's uh it's it's the kind of thing to where um that's what happens. We we're just talking last night uh on the on a, a, the B chat with the fat B man and you know, he he mentioned, you know, once once you get behind in the B yard there is no catching up. You cannot catch up. You can do certain things to slow that down, to try to reorganize and get things uh, put into perspective. But once you get so far behind, you don't get caught up. So we got your stuff straightened up. We got them, you know, in, in a situation where they had a little bit of room to grow. Got them sized appropriately into different boxes, eights and fives, and yeah, we switched out some boxes for the for the eights. We did some box change outs just as far as you know pest management as well too. But get them into the right size boxes so they can, um, you know, help keep pests to bay. Do the work that that they need to do. Did the alcohol wash. Yep. So that's a that's a lot to be able to. Uh, experience and then uh, mentally process and then put it into a a format to where you can share it with others. So that's I appreciate you sharing your experience um, with that. What have you moving forward from that situation early on in the year? What are you doing to keep uh, or not doing? Because that's not to say a lot has changed because it's because you can learn something from a situation. It takes a little bit of time to mentally form the habits to be able to get out there and do anything different with it. Where are you at with your bees since then? Uh, we're still in the same, same spot. I put yeah. on a few boxes on top of each of the hives, and uh, except for one of the hives. One of the hives decided to abscond, uh, and I think that's from that situation. Was it the virgin, the, virgin, the leftover from the swarm? Yeah, the leftover yeah. from the swarm. Yep. So we're down to four hives right now, but you know the, the, the four hives I do have are doing good. Um, they're, I was just out there yesterday, and they're bearding very well <laughs> yeah. in the heat. So that was kind of exciting seeing that. Yeah. But um, you know, uh, you know, I, I I haven't gone forward and trying to make any more splits uh, at this point, just because I haven't had the time and you know, and to to take care of more hives. So at, at this point, I'm I'm trying I'm at the crossroads of what I do going into fall and winter. Uh, and how I want to go about, you know, either you know treating them, and or condense maybe possibly condensing them down like my buddy Dan is doing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because you know la- you know last year that you know that you know I went in there with a couple boxes high and that didn't work out, so maybe condense condense them down into one smaller space where they can keep more heat, you know. So that's kind of what I got to figure out now in the next week or two. Um, kind of, I don't have much time at this point. Yeah. So what what what's so condensing them down? Uh, a lot of folks are the that that method is used when they are one making late splits in the year where they're taking big hives and they split them down to get them into smaller units and then they also requeen at the same time. They make those late season splits with mated queens to get get everything in smaller formats so they don't overgrow uh, and have too big of a colony size. The other thing I think is folks do it, probably what Dan's doing is when you spin honey and you're taking your supers off, rather than put those supers back in they're taking the supers off and condensing the bees down into a smaller space at the same time that the bees are also making less bees and they're only focused on making their their winter numbers so you have die off over the next 45 days and the hive size starts to dwindle anyways. 
And so you can put them into a box to where you can match the numbers of bees with how much honey is available, but then keeping them into the boxes. Folks that listen to the podcast or heard any of us talk about this before, this is the ideas that we learned from Don the Fat Bee Man, where he talks about uh, imagine a, a farmhouse in the winter, even in Ohio, and you have two stories of a house. If you've ever lived in an old farmhouse, usually you had a sheet hanging up over the staircase going up to the second floor to keep all the heat down on the first floor. You're only, you're only sleeping up in those upper stories at nighttime, and it's always cold up there. So the idea with, with, the, with the, the bees is that it's easier to keep a smaller space warm. And if they're not to the point to where the bees are always up and, and maintaining all that space, if we can condense them, keep them into a smaller space, then they can, they can also stay warm, especially when they're matched with the right amount of honey because they're only... Sometimes the bees get cold, and when they do get that warm spot, they want to break, and they go feed on all that honey, and they go all the way up to where those upper boxes are, and they can get, also get caught out of cluster. And there's there's a whole slew of things on on the reasoning why that that does it. When I first learned about that, the, I asked Don a question, the fat bee man, and I said, if you were keeping bees in Ohio all over again, what would you do different? And he said that he would have went to overwintering in singles a lot earlier. Eventually he did, you know, here in Ohio. Everyone laughed at him. Said, you can't keep bees in, in five-frame deeps. They'll all die. Well, he did it for decades, and it worked great. And he went down to Georgia, and it works great. And a lot of folks all across the country are, are realizing that, hey, I can, keep, I can keep these colonies in smaller boxes, and they explode in the spring, and they're, I'm killing less bees and burning up less honey to do it. Now, when you say like match it up with the right amount of honey, can you expand on that a little bit? Everyone is, in each part of the country is probably going to be a little bit different, but I try to have for the volume of bees that I have on the frame, I try to have that volume also in honey. So if I have one frame that's completely packed full of brood and bees, I want at least one frame that's also cap of capped honey. Now, it doesn't have to necessarily be in a honey super above it, because if we're talking about five frame deep boxes, you're not going to have a full frame of honey. Maybe on the outside too, those might be solid capped full of honey. But you're going to have honey in the top margins of where the frames are. Then as they cluster, the honey kind of surrounds their upper portion, sometimes the lower of the sides. So some folks will, old 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 school Ohio beekeeping says, if my hives need, need to weigh 150 pounds to get into the wintertime. Well, that's that's referring to a deep brood chamber and two or three honey supers on top. Yeah, a lot of folks are getting away from ten frames completely, and so you you can't really use that number. But the it's more of a mental approach is to where you look at how many bees do I have in this box? How big is the cluster? How much honey do they actually need to get through the winter? You give them too much space and too many boxes with with that few of bees, the honey gets too far away from them and they can't get to it when they need it. There's also lots of extra areas in that box for condensation because there's there's more air than there is bees, right. and so you have a, a heat exchange um, issue that can be a problem. So there, there's there's some kind of there's 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 a there's a formula that seems to be a deep five or a deep eight or two mediums, three mediums, or one deep, one medium on top that seems to work pretty well from folks. And Dan can probably fill us in on where he's at in his bee yard. Uh, and what he's because he's probably right now you're probably Dan doing that same thing right now. 
Yeah, so we're actually shrinking down to we're taking all the supers off. Uh, we don't run queen excluders, so we had a small problem with uh, some of the frames in the supers. The lower boxes had brood in them, so those weren't even pulled. Uh, at least four or five boxes had that issue. So I just left them in there, and I'm going to throw empty frames in after we're done spinning so they can fill them back out. Uh, but it's. Are they gonna have enough time to fill them back out? Yeah, they they should. It's all built. It's just. And we're talking about package bees that you got in the spring that are making honey. You know that that's impossible, Dan. Uh, well, that's not entirely accurate. They're packaged bees that I got in the spring that were split and then split again. Wait a minute. So you're telling? See, it like Don's always says. People say a lot of things. They sure do. Just do it. See what happens. But yeah. not, not only did you get packaged bees in the spring, you split them, got a bunch more queens, and from what it sounds like, you're gonna, you're sitting on a nice uh, little honey crop. Uh, yes. As we speak right now, honey is being spun, and uh, we should be filling up our fourth or fifth five-gallon bucket full of honey. Now this is this is extra honey. This is this is honey outside of what they're going to need for winter. This is yes. not Dan and Christy are are uh, robbing all the bees of all their honey and then just going to feed them sugar water the rest of the year. Nope. This There's, is this is surplus. Yep. So most of the boxes had at least one super on. A couple of them had two on. So it's there's a good bit of honey that was out there. We got most of the fall goldenrod though, but we've we've had an interesting interesting year with very similar to James's. So it's been on that. You mean uh, we all have problems with time what? allocation in the bee yard? Uh, yeah, actually. How's, how's that going for you, Dan? Uh, well, I uh, quit my job <gasps> in the middle of the year to become a professional honey connoisseur. That is it. I thought it was a bull rider. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> No, are you gonna uh, take your horse to the Uptown Road <laughs> and ride till you can't ride no more? No, I'm not. Billy Ray Cyrus over here. Yeah, that's what it is. I cut the long hair. <laughs> it's kind of growing back. Yeah, I'll get cut soon. You look uh, more like Beetlejuice right now, I think, than anything. Oh my god, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with together. I'll Beetle take Beetlejuice over Beetle Billy Ray Cyrus any day of the week. Okay, so well, I got awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I, exactly. What do you mean by take him? <laughs> I would be more than happy to look like Beetlejuice I mean, than Billy Ray Cyrus. Anything, I was just wondering, you know. <laughs> it's been a little while since I've seen you last, if your lifestyle has changed or anything. No, just more. I've been much busier. Yeah. So. So, how do you quit your job and then get busier? Uh, so, I quit my job. I was waiting for another one to start up, and I had about a month in between. And uh, my wife's family, uh, they have a dairy on the uh in our area and so uh shortly after i quit my job kind of spur of the moment uh i called uh our cousin and uh i said hey man uh you got any uh work to do down there or something and since we had such an awesome season of rain and everything got pushed so far behind uh turned out that he was trying to bring wheat in same time they're trying to make hay and still milk cows and so he's kind of like yeah uh 
we got a lot of work to do here in about a month and i said that's perfect so not to use their real names but uh we'll call the young one john so john uh asked me if i wanted is this to- a true crime show all of a sudden <laughs> i think so i think i've seen this on the id channel yeah so, so Dan put his cowboy hat on and we started working at a farm. Yeah, so uh, there was no real structure set up. Just milking starts in the morning, show up milk. And uh, it's unlike any other job I've ever held before. Uh, so you're far- you just quit your job. Now you're farming while your next job starts up. Yes, and uh, what I'd- I knew somewhat about a dairy. Uh, didn't know a lot. I realized a lot of people don't know a lot of dairymen unless it's other dairymen because they never really leave the farm and there's always something to do and it is going nonstop. So it was starting early in the morning and it wouldn't be anything to be getting home and getting in the drive at about uh, seven o'clock. This is all happening about, oh, end of May through June and what, end of July? Yeah. I can attest to that because my my, uh, my next door neighbor is a dairy farmer, and it's not unusual to hear a, a heavy machinery going on at eleven o'clock at night. You know, that's oh, just typical. I'm, yeah, it's 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 less in the evening for them, and more. Uh, oh gosh, they're going to yell at me. I think morning milking starts at six, so as soon as morning milking's done, it's it's right into chores. So, and once chores and all that are done, it's right into farm work. So they right. didn't leave a lot of time for you to get out into your yard. Uh, uh, there was probably a month and a half to two months to where I've only went into uh, four hives, and that was just because I ran out of time and I was in there and running out of daylight. What shape were your hives in before that, and then what happened because of that? They looked stellar. Uh, the bee yard was growing. I was up to twenty-five, oh, 25 plus hives. Yeah. And then, uh, fortunately, right after I quit my job, well, right before I quit my job, I made a bunch of splits, and uh, they were looking good. What did you start off the season? Two or four? How'd you get to twenty five? Like we uh, during the Great Bee Run, uh, I bought some packages in Queens. Got gotcha. you. And split them right off the rip. So I think I got what five packages. And then made ten hives out of that, and then split them all down again. Then I think you, <clears throat> you guys came by here. I got a bunch of queens. And from got a you. bunch of queens and made a bunch more splits. I think yeah. even more splits then. I think than the first round. Yeah. So. They, so you're they up looked, to like twenty five ish. Yeah, going, they looked going great. Into the yep. farm. Uh, honestly, it turned into an afterthought, and finally, once the uh, other job started back up, I uh, finally got in there and looked and there was it was rough getting through the hives and frames were stuck together nice and tight uh, were you kicking yourself a little bit or were you just at the point where like okay this is where we're at now what uh, a little bit of both because it seemed like when i was with jimbo and we were going through it when i was asking what his first thought was my first thought and maybe you can tell me what what yours is is when you open it up and you get to that and you get through the first one and you get it all put back after all that disturbance and all the mess you make and the time that it takes to do that, I think that's what I think about each time. Is like, oh my God, this just took 38 more time to put this back right than if I could have just found the time to get out here to do it right the first time. 
It seems like it, it, it puts you back so far. Yeah. Because you're making such a mess in the hive. There's so much disturbance. Yeah. You're cutting so much right. stuff out and cleaning up. And and when the first go round, I went through and I I spent a little time cleaning. I didn't do anything in depth. I just wanted to break them, break apart the frames, make sure I still had queens. Just checking for queen cells see, and seeing how yes. bad damage control. Yes. Yeah. Go through them, and as I went through, I did a little bit of cleaning here and there. Uh, a bunch of them looked fantastic. I honestly, I lucked out. Uh, I didn't make any more splits off of them. Uh, I did find a couple with queen cells, and I just kind of earmarked those boxes because I figured it's just a good idea to know where they're at for as I go through the stands. Right. Uh, got down the row, and there's, oh gosh, there had to have been four that swarmed on me. That's it? Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. So Well, it was right after I made a bunch of splits, too. Okay, right, right. So that was I'm that was my honestly saving grace. So you had got you had gone through everything. They were already thin and, and ready to yes. build up before Yes. The, they were thin the and time I, lapse. My my time frame was to maybe make a few more splits off of them yeah. and then I got busy and just never came to fruition. Yeah. Uh so the first thing I did was though take all of them out of the five frame deeps and drop them into eight frame deeps. And uh that was the first major step and after i realized everything there and across the yards looking good i uh waited a week then went back out there and dropped them all into deeps and i think uh that's really what what saved me got a little bit of time because they had work, a lot of work out ahead of them to do oh, still. Yeah. i will say though i would not trade anything else in the world to go back to the dairy that that place is awesome you would not or you would i would oh, oh yeah. in a heartbeat yeah Seems like it's a hard place. Uh, it's a seems like it's a challenging situation to have a dairy and to be able to to make ends meet. It seems like it's a it's a real challenge to for how much labor that there is involved in one, which it seems like that's why all it takes is a couple fluctuations in the market for milk and suppliers to happen, and you see what we're seeing right now, where it's dairy after dairy going under. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you look it's at the, the cost of per head of cattle at this point for dairy. It's know, it's a couple, that. A couple of years ago, to what's gone now. Look at the grass issues uh, in the Midwest. The mm-hmm. shortage there, and then the rain we had in the spring here. The quality of the first and second cut. It's always seems to be one thing after another, to where it's this is like the year. If there was any year that you've been in dairy, probably for thirty or forty years, this probably goes down in the records book as being. The one that you remember as being one of the most challenging. Yes, but it's it's like that with a lot of markets too. It's just not a dairy related. You're talking about a dairy. market that's already has the thinnest possible margin that there is to start with, and then you have these things happen. It's like, man. But do you really expect these people to just say, "Oh, let's get out of the dairy"? Well, no. Well, okay. yeah. to, them, to them, it's a lifestyle. It's, yeah, it's, it's who they are. It's, would, it's not just. A job they show in, they they clock in, clock out. It, it's who they are. They I can't. Yeah, you already lost all sense of smell being in the dairy. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> no, that's not true at all. That is not <laughs> true at all. Okay, so before I preface preface this real quick, I can I already picture it because uh, my uncle and cousin John and Fred. They listen to the show in the parlor when they milk in the mornings. And at this <laughs> point sorry, now, the they're way. both looking at the end of the parlor at the radio and uh, thinking, oh, God, what's he going to say? Uh, we had a cow give birth. And I'm, I'm pretty good with smells. I'm real good with smells. 
nothing really bothers me, especially working around all that poop. Cow gave birth, and it's called freshening when they drop the afterbirth and the rest of the stuff. So nothing happened. And it was about a week later, we were milking, and as we're milking, she freshened and dropped all that out. Like a beautiful little Christmas package. It's like a, yes. delicious, a delicious little... Uh, the lotus flower. What, what, did, what, did, what did mom get to do with the uh, package there? Oh, it got scraped to the side, and then uh, once the cows got that row of cows got done milking, it got scooped out and shoved out onto the the pad to be scooped away with the manure. But that was the most rancid, disgusting smell. I literally stopped, walked out of the back of the parlor, went over to the freestall barn, and just started hurling everywhere. It was the most disgusting, rancid smell I've ever smelled. I've been around. Uh, I've, I've been around it twice, and actually seen when one when we uh, when one sixty three and one sixty five those little Dexters were here. Yeah, when we actually caught the live birth, I don't remember a smell. I just remember it was it was cold out, mm-hmm. and so when it when when the, the, when there's the afterbirth, it's just a steaming pile of insides is what it looks like. Yes, and was it, it was shortly a, after? Yeah, it was right right okay. immediately after. Okay, and then as soon as the, as soon as the the she calved, got the calf cleaned up just a little bit. The first thing she did went to town eating yeah all the afterbirth, and so yeah. here she's chewing on this you know nature's best beef jerky. There it seemed like and it's steaming so. and it's well, it's so quite this, a sight to see. This is how like the that, rest of the works. stuff that's left in there getting cleaned out, so it doesn't stay in there and get infected. So it's the cow pushing the rest of the stuff out. Oh, every, oh, everything. Behind the placenta yes, and all that. Okay. Yes. And she was being lazy, I guess, and waited a few days. And it fermented. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not talking so about like, afterbirth and placenta. You're talking about any so like, kind of extra goodies yeah, behind all that. Sh- like go shut off your freezer. Yeah, no, I haven't and seen that. And let it sit for a week and then stick your face in there. Yes. Which Oh, you mean the smell of goldenrod in the morning. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, it it was by far and the running joke always was that my uncle would it happened a time or two after that and he would always yell well Dan's going out to check the fence posts that's what it was I'd be doubled over head down and just regurgitating whatever I had for supper well, get about 30 more years and you probably wouldn't smell it anymore well if there happens oh. to be any other dairyman listening we sure do appreciate uh that they're all their dedication and to keeping small dairies in the family and, and keeping that way of life going because it's it's one of the very seems like last true arts of farming it is is a, having a, keeping and having a small dairy very unappreciated art. it's very unappreciated because yeah. everyone you know it's that's a whole other topic for for another day is our food system that's for the contrary cowkeeper show that's for the yeah it's you know when we get into to talking more about honey and what it takes to produce a little bit of honey and to get it into a jar you have some kind of a sense for that but we're talking about products that have uh, a much uh, higher perceived value than just a gallon of milk that you can go to Aldi's and get it for what is it? I don't Two know. Bucks, it, I don't even know. Yeah. 99 cents, a dollar. Yeah. You know, so... Just know, though, when you drink Ritter's milk, there's a chance that I help put that milk in that jug. So Aww. don't don't drink that. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm still milking there uh, on the weekends. 
So it's just it's so awesome. I just can't turn away from it. It's it is honestly it's, one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. Is that really the only way you get your hand on a pair of tits? <laughs> <laughs> you mean you're you not and your utterly you ridiculous you're not, jokes? You're not milking bulls there. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> This is a strange tip. <laughs> <laughs> well, this just turned south. <laughs> so you, I did get to stick my hands in unique places, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Uh, part of the fun work experience. You guys are doing that down here in the studio when I when I got down here. This yes, morning. yes. Oh, I was showing yeah. them the technique. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <just> milking technique. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Ooh. Don't let your kids listen to this. <laughs> so yeah, so you you went from so. You get into your new job position. And time started to free up a little bit. I got uh, to milking. How uh, bad of shape did your hives get during this transition? Four not, swarmed, meaning you had four that were just yeah, left Yeah, at were least, small? yeah. There were was, there was small clusters in there. Uh, a couple of them had virgin queen, queens running around. Some of them didn't have any. Uh, what? For, there's like, you know, Freudisms that I just picked up on. What's that? You got Dan the Dairyman talking. I think you just said cream. Queen. You, you said cream when you said queen. <laughs> Did I? Yeah. Oh. Thought we were fuck at this. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. So, we, we, this show is completely off the rails already. Isn't oh, it? gosh. Yes. Right, you know. Those poor people listening. We've only had like two or three cups of coffee so far, so yeah. we're not on it it's yet. It's still early. Yeah. Uh, so, there was a couple of them had virgin queens running around. Queens running around. And uh, a couple of them didn't. So the ones I already earmarked that had eggs in there, I figured either A, that the queen's off on our mating flight, or B, something happened and it's not there. So rather be safe than sorry, I just dropped the uh, queen cells into those hives that were curious. Low insurance policy. Exactly. And that's what it, more or less what it was. If there is a queen in there, she'll kill it. And if not, they just got a queen. Yeah. So... After that, though, I went back to my regular schedule of every seven, ten days going through there. Uh, got a little lazier towards the end of the season and pushed it out on some of them every 14, which as I started to get more comfortable with being in the hives, going through them, knowing more or less what to look for, I was fine with. And uh, that seemed to work out, especially when uh, we were trying to get some honey off of them. Just because that's less disturbance for the hive, and then that's less time that they're not repairing what I just destroyed and uh, putting honey away. So, that was the big saving grace. So, if I'm hearing you right, you only had four hives that swarmed, but they didn't abscond, they just swarmed. So, you still had four that caught back up. I did, yes. So, you're still probably 25-ish or so hives looking good. I had a... I had one that I shook out, uh, but that one I wasn't too worried about because it was some um, old package genetics that I had. It was one of the first hives I had. Oh, from last year's? Yeah. yeah. It was one of the overwinter ones, and it just just had a failure to launch this year. It was always struggling, and I was always trying to prop it up, and finally I just got tired of propping it up and just shook it out. And they go where they can. And- yep. Yeah. Queen will try to go somewhere, and hopefully they'll kill her, and... The worker bees get to go help build honey somewhere else. So, we're, we're, so for the rest of the year, have you mentally, um, or your, how much time you have allocated? Are you have you caught back up to where you feel like you have the time 
you've found the time to put into the yard to get it to where you want it to go for the rest of the year or are you still struggling with time management uh it's it's definitely a roller coaster there's some weekends to where it's really relaxed and chilled and hung out to where i can just kind of do whatever uh and then there's weekends like this right now to where uh thursday night we're wrapping baleage friday we're cutting raking baling baleage and wrapping more and then uh as of yesterday we did almost 250 bales of baleage so it's definitely been a roller coaster of a weekend but at the same time we still were able to get out get honey spun uh as i was pulling the supers off i just quickly went through and took a peek at the hives as i was doing it so it's so you're still spending almost all of your free time working on somebody else's farm before you even get home to work on the bees Yes, because for this, that's someone that's definitely because of in, the roller coaster of where yes, just what, how the that thing is lining up. Yes, and this is someone's in need, and it's something that we can, and it's really one of those opportunities where the community's banding together to help somebody out. And that should be, you know, after they get the hay put up, that I would think the demand time wise there should be waning. Yep, and then that gets put back into. I mean, at this point with with your hives, though, you're 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 pulling your honey supers, you're spinning, you're condensing your hives into their their winter configurations, and they're almost if if, if there's any part of the year where they're on cruise control, they all are almost getting to the point to where it's not like it's late May, early June, to where they're gonna all of a sudden explode overnight yeah. and get out of control. They're they're winding down right now, and so uh, I. As soon as they get some of these frames cleaned up, they're going to get a bunch of flame frames replaced back in the hives, and uh, yeah, it's just going to kind of be treating and managing for getting ready for winter. I think we were talking about that in the last uh, show. Winter is coming. We're we're going to be yep. uh, spinning, downsizing, and then looking at where we were with uh, pests and trying to uh, figure out exactly what our pest management plan uh, was going to be for the rest of the year. Where are you at with uh, pest management? What are you seeing in the hives, and how do you are you making any changes going into so, the winter? So let's see. It would have been three weeks ago. I went through and alcohol washed a bunch of hives. Uh, didn't do all of them. Just I think uh, there's six per stand or five per stand, and I hit two or three of those hives just to see where we're sitting at. And I had one that had three mites per three hundred. But they were all really consistent ones, and then had a couple twos pop up. So 1%, 2%. And how long ago was that? Uh, that was about three weeks ago. Yeah. So, and that's, and I'm, I wasn't too worried about a super high mite load just because we've been splitting so much in that bee yard that there's plenty of brood breaks. You're going to go on a three or a four week in a row treating regiment with the salic after you get all your honey pulled? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I definitely want that insurance policy there. I, mean, I, I don't. I think we talked about that on the last show. But oh yeah, it's just it's a good way to, you know, as they this time of year starts to unfold, we're starting to see less and less drones. They're already starting to to get themselves yep. in a position uh, for winter, um, which means they're going to start making the bees here eventually that are going to be the winter bees. And the the winter bees. Not only do we we want the winter bees to be as free of viruses as possible so they can be healthy and get through the winter but we also want all of the bees that are preparing 
the home and the stores for those winter bees to also be healthy so they can get everything prepared for them. Otherwise, you're you're literally chasing your tail and you can't get you can't get caught up. If your bees are all sick and dying right now, they can't put the hive in a position to succeed uh, over the winter because they can't get the hive to a place where they've got the, the stores um, and the foundation, everything drawn and ready to go for the winter bees to stay uh, and, and do their thing. So it's you know we're at the at the tricky time of year to where it's like okay I, I've got. Uh, I've got nectar coming in. It's not capped, but I, you know, do I treat? I don't, I don't know when to treat. Am I going to do an alcohol wash? There's all these things you have to, you know, there is no, I wouldn't say a right way or a wrong way, but you have to look at the picture there and see where you are, uh, and make a decision one way or the other to either do something or to don't, you know. Yeah, and it's and it's hard to sit back and there's no way I could just sit back and be like one or two percent they're they're looking pretty good uh when i have all this time and effort into it well and you know like we i think maybe we mentioned if you look at, at the bell curve growth these bees right now are just starting to go they're at the top of the bell and they're starting to go down now they're downsizing yep and this is the exact time when the mites are climbing Yep, and that bell is way down the road still, so we're getting at the rate where exponentially, the mites could take a foothold into a hive, starting at any time. Yeah, and that and so if we're if we're at two percent today, uh, if we did an alcohol wash three or four weeks from now, if we found it was four percent, we, we may be in trouble uh, because if we wait one more month to do anything, you know we're we're definitely going to start affecting uh, the health of the of that of that hive over the winter oh for sure what are your thoughts jimbo on on everything that you've learned this year with your time uh the health of your bees how you're looking um have you given it much thought on what to do if anything as far as pest management yeah you know because i i still haven't invested any money yet into any equipment for uh, oxalic acid kind of stuff you know for you know for vaporizing things and i don't know if i really want to at this point invest that money you know until maybe next year or you know at some point so what i'm thinking at this point is that you know do another alcohol wash check them see where they're at but then you know possibly just using mitoway strips to to, you know to go after them this Mm -hmm. year and see how that shakes out you know as we talked about before you know, learning experiences come out of failures. So if I, even if I fail at it using mitoway strips this year, I'm not going to know until I use them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know you know there's people that are for them. There's people that are against them. Yeah. Have you ever used them, Greg? I've got a whole bucket of them, and I got a couple other yards that we're helping out with, uh, teach and maintain. Yeah. And so I had had this very same conversation with both of the folks at those yards. And I, I have both here on hand, yeah, ready to go. And when we were at the time when we started the, the salic treating regiment at both of those yards, which was three weeks in a row, um, you crack open the lid of the mitoway strips, and holy it knocks cow, you back. it knocks you back. Yeah, uh, almost it almost made me throw up. Uh-huh. And my throat was burning, my eyes were burning, and I get it. It's formic acid. It's in an enclosed tub. You're going to have that. Yeah. But I went to go grab the instructions. You know, so you, it, when you just Google uh, Mitoway Quick Strips, uh, 
and you look at the instructions, you don't even see all the full instructions. Inside of the bucket is a nice piece of paper. The paper's completely laced and completely engulfed <laughs> in all that formic acidness. Yep. And so you're trying to get that out and read it. And I didn't really understand the sensitivity of the hive to the mitoway strips until oh, I yeah. read this this information that was in there mm-hmm. to where it's to expect 1,000 to 1,500 dead bees per day for the first three days. Yep. And to, 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 to treat... Uh, no warmer than 85 degrees. Yep. Or those, you're going to have more dead bees. And then it even warns you about queen fatality and the instructions. I'm thinking. Yes. Wow. So we, when do I use this? Why do I use this? And, and what is what is the correct context for these mitoway strips? We used it as a first year when I only had four hives. Because you drop them in, you close them up, and it's something. Yes. And all the reading I did, because I... I've been known to have uh, paralysis by analysis. Yeah. Uh, all the reading we did is you got to be very careful with the temperatures you put it in. Mm-hmm. If it's going to be above, what is it, 80 degrees, I think? 84, 85 degrees. Yeah, if it's above that 84, 85 threshold, wait. Wait. It's real sensitive to temperature. Yeah, and we're still having some hot days here. Yeah. So it's yeah, not time for it it's, yet. It's one of the things where, yes, but look, let's... And I don't know if we've ever we don't we don't really I don't know if we've ever talked a whole lot about treatments uh, on the podcast here. The difference, the big difference between the two is oxalic acid goes after phoretic mites, which are the mites that are actually living on the bees. Mm-hmm. Yes, oxalic acid does nothing for the mites that are underneath the wax cappings. Yes, those oxalic cannot penetrate that. You have maybe. 30% of your mites are actually on the bees or not inside of the, those capped cells. And that's why I have to do a regimen with oxalic acid. And that's why that's we a do multiple three, weeks. Exactly. We yeah. get to get out of the brood cycle, so we're always incorporating that yep. as those cappings open up. The benefits of why a lot of guys prefer mitoway strips is the formic acid penetrates yep. the wax cappings, and that acid gets into the cells themselves. And so it attacks where the mama mite is in there laying uh, all the baby mites. Um, you know, what I've seen from that is folks are having much better success when they use the one strip method versus two strip. Yes. Where they're using one strip in there for, uh, I think it's 10 days, and then they put another strip in for 10 days, or is it 14 days? I, I do. It's like two, you guys are, folks, you're going to have to you know, read it for yourself, and this is not gospel truth. Uh, but it's it's something to the, to the matter of you use less strips for a longer period of time and it's less harmful to the bees than using more strips for a short amount of time sometimes we want to think bigger the glob better the job in this scenario uh you can you you can use them i think successfully uh but look at the 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 method of using one strip versus two and i and i I did see that in those instructions where Mm -hmm. it did lay that out so this is not like you know, magical formula you have to figure out on your own. It's 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 in there, and I think folks find the most success um, with it. It's it's a hard thing because beekeeping is a very expensive hobby. No matter which way you cut it, it's extremely expensive. The three of us we can offset that cost because we're building um, a lot of our own equipment. Uh, we're, we're not buying brand new 
uh, unassembled boxes or assembled boxes. So we find ways to make it more cost effective. Um, but when you get in a situation even with Jimbo where he's got four hives that are looking good going into the wintertime, uh, each one of those hives have at least five times the amount of bees that you had in them when you started off in the spring. Right. So if we just look at a numbers perspective, if the package of bees, let's say, to keep the math easy, is $100, if you have five times that amount in there, you only have one queen, but um, let's just say times five, there's about $500 in bees in each hive. Mm-hmm. Times that by five, that's $2,500. So now we're thinking, okay, well, what do I do to protect my investment? Okay, you could spend $400 and get a Pro Vape. You can spend $170 and get a Jono's uh, knockoff Pro Vape. You can use the strips. There's, You have to do what financially you're comfortable with and what you can. But secondly, you have to do what you're, what you're, what you're comfortable doing with the information that you have and go with your gut feeling on it. And there are, you know, if, you know, it's, I don't think we have to announce how much of an influence the fat bee man has been on all of our beekeeping. Uh, But one of his mental approaches um, with talking about treatments is he, he has videos and things of using foggers and mineral oil. And, you know, and he will say there's a very low percentage of kill on that. If you want to use it, that's up to you. It's not as effective as all these other things. And then he'll talk about those other things like Osalic or Apivar. Here's here's other choices. You have to decide what's going to work for you. Right. And mm-hmm. don't let someone else shame you for no. your choice of what you're going to do. You, or not, you know, a lot of folks get shamed into treating at all. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like that's 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 nonsense, you know. But that's that's that that's that's just the way that's just the way it is. You have to be uh, you know, good enough uh, with yourself to trust your gut and to go with it not care what people think what people say at the end of the day i think all of us beekeepers want to do right by the bees um, and so we all have to find ways to where we can make that happen and have that experience with them that's part of being a contrary beekeeper not caring what other people think right exactly so greg where are you at with your bee yard that is a really long dum, dum, dum. long conversation I think if, if folks have been uh, checking out the Contrary Farmstead podcast, we've talked a little bit about what we've been so busy doing, uh, which is not beekeeping. Uh, we're living in this tiny house that we're uh, trying to add some bedrooms on, a dining room, which means a roof and siding and walls and a porch, and the list goes on and on and on. And we're trying to get that wrapped up, dried in, uh, and the, the kids in these rooms before wintertime. So we had a choice where do we uh, keep growing the bee yard um, or do we follow through with things that we've promised ourselves and our children that we actually need here at home with our our personal life you're also already engaged in all those things too the addition was already started when you got the bees right oh yeah so you really can't just you really can't just uh put it on hold for an entire year it can't go on pause until we figure out the beast yeah and then on top of all this i have my own business and i work uh on the and i'm on the road and so the amount of time that i even have to dedicate to the bees are is is so it's 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 compartmentalized is what it is because sometimes pretend i have more time than i do um for it but we 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 have made the time and all the the possible ways that we can and uh 
we just we, we can't do all the things all the time. We had to decide what's more important. Um, we were really strong in the first part of the year, and we went crazy. We grew the bee yard uh, incredibly, um, and then decided, okay, enough is enough. I can't push. I can't kick this can any further down the road with the addition. Um, and so it was literally about a two-month stretch to where I didn't even see the bees. I could see them from the on top of the roof. I could see them, but I was not in. I was. I wasn't in them. I hated to do it, um, and I hated to feel like I've worked so hard to get the bee yard built up to just let them go on cruise control. But that's that's part of being a dad and being a husband uh, and just be, being a man or being human is you got to make tough choices. You have to balance out your priorities. Um, and I don't with, and we've, Susan and I have talked about it with the farmstead. We always push ourselves to, to find our limits, to see what we can actually do with the time that we have, with the money that we have, um, to invest and then find out, you know, what does that do for us? Um, mentally spirit you know spiritually physically how does how do we fit and this is not just you know for us at this scale the bee yard is not just let's have a couple chickens and they'll be fine it's you know it's not like uh we're gonna plant two different more varieties of tomatoes and see how that goes the bee yard um was a sideline uh business venture outside of my regular business uh, I can't afford to take time away from my real business to put a whole lot of it into the bee yard. So I can only do so much. Um, and I think a lot of what I've learned this year is getting good with under, better understanding my limitations with time um, and what that looks like when time gets away. Because it gets away. That's for sure. No matter how, uh, how well we want to wax on philosophically about it, the fact remains, the bees don't really care a whole lot about us. They're going to do what they're going to do, uh, and their only goal is survival. They're not going to slow down doing what they're doing, uh, like like uh, Greg's building a porch or setting six by sixes or or putting a metal roof on. They they're not going to say, "Oh, I Greg, I see that it's going to rain the next three days, and you have an open roof. I, I we we really want you to get your roof all on." before it rains. So what we're going to do is we're going to slow down our brood for the next three days just to get... That ain't how it works. Reminds me of the honey badger video. They don't give a shit, do they? No, they, they don't, don't give just a shit. Don't. They're just, and that's that's almost the beauty with it. Is the, I think one of the things I, I, I love so much about the bees is it's like it's their, their own massive superorganism. That there are moments in time where... Uh, I get to be involved with it. I get to participate in. I get to, to to see and understand that, and I love that aspect of it. When you first get into beekeeping and you start to go on this route to where you want to, to to feel like you want to start making a little bit of money with the bees, your first thing is the first hurdle is well, I don't know how to make bees. I don't know how to do all these things. It's the wouldn't, couldn't, can't that Don talks about. You don't make bees. Bees make themselves. Bees make themselves, but. You do make the bees because you put them in a situation to where you are directing the results. And that is a big hurdle for a lot of folks. They don't know how to, d- 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 to direct 
the results to get to get the queen cells to do the grafting uh, to when to put the honey super on they don't know how to direct the results that aligns with their goals and so they have this boxes of bees that are going to do who knows what for how long and they don't know what to do when you start to get a little bit of experience and you're fortunate enough to work with a mentor like Don and you learn hands-on and you put the time into it you start to learn and the next thing you know those hurdles that you were worried about jumping over they're already miles behind you now you've got something new ahead of you mm-hmm. and so we've had, we've 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 jumped a lot of hurdles and we are looking at an awful lot of hurdles and one of those hurdles is is time management uh, we sold a lot of queens this year, a lot of nukes. We grew our bee yard from, we started off in the spring with eight. Uh, in total, I have, I have been uh, probably close to 200 queen right colonies this year. Uh, and then as you sell queens and nukes, that it goes in, it goes in waves. At one point, we were steady over 100 hives. And once we got past 75, it really started to feel like it's like you're rolling this ball uphill, and then all of a sudden you start to feel that hill plateau off, and the ball is still rolling at that same speed, but you're not putting the same amount of push on it. And then the next thing you know, you have a slight grade. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this megaton boulder that you're pushing isn't even in front of you, it is way down the mountain, and you look at it and you're just thinking, in my best Mark Smith voice, huh, how about that? (laughs) Because that rascal is long gone. And there was nothing in place to slow up that speed. And so what ended up happening for me is at the same time we put two months into the addition, I had made a, like you guys know me, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm not afraid of being extremely risky in the bee yard. Uh, and we had a bunch of stuff. We had queen castles were all full, queen cells. Uh, we had just sold a bunch of queens. Uh, and so we were real thin in the bee yard. At one point this year, I was all the way down to only 12 queen right colonies. Whoa. Wow. Um, and I had more than you. Yeah. There were boxes full of bees, and they were all waiting on uh, queens to come back and get mated and all that. Yep. And, well... One thing after another happens. Uh, the big, you know, one of the one of the, the the big hurdles is if you don't have time to get into those hives every week, you really need to be in those hives twice a week when you're when you're rearing queens and you're making yeah. these kind of splits. You need to be in there twice a week to to manipulate um, because they so many things happen so quick. They're, the the snapshot isn't just 14 days. Your snapshot isn't just to try to catch a queen cell before it emerges. That's a 14-day snapshot. That that's like an average bee. That's an average beekeeping snapshot. You have snapshots to where you know you have three queen cells that are going to hatch over the next six hours or 12 hours, and you're trying to catch those and move them on to a new situation yeah. so they can hatch and come back, and then you can cage them and sell them. So things happen so quick. Well, things also go south in a hurry too, and uh, things went very south for a lot of hives. Uh, I probably. I don't need, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ashamed uh, to even say it. I've probably this year I've drowned probably 30 or 40 colonies by figuring out uh, how I'm going to mix my sugar in large volume and using powdered sugar and finding out the viscosity and all that. And you put them on, you put a bucket on, even for a day. Well, and it feeds too thin. Not actually powdered sugar, like store bought powdered sugar, right? 
No, it's mechanically powdered sugar. Okay. So it's, a, it's, it's the same thing but without the starch. Okay, that's what I was more getting at is there's no cornstarch. There's no cornstarch, yeah. It was, yeah. It was mechanically powdered sugar. That mixes up completely different than, than granulated sugar. How so? You have a very, very fine, tight particle and powdered sugar as opposed to a very large granule of regular sugar. So when we're mixing those in volumes and we're doing, let's say, a two-to-one, there's weight is, is the actual very specific way to do it. I always do it by volume. So if I'm mixing uh, a 55-gallon drum of feed, you've got those those big rims around the barrels. So you're going to have one, that bottom compartment is going to be water, and those next two segments in a barrel are going to be sugar. And that yeah. makes you two to one. It's a little bit different with powdered sugar because it ended up taking me twice as much solids. You, It, it almost looks like you're making a four to one Yeah. to get the viscosity. Now, it's super, super sweet. But the but the viscosity is different. Okay. And so when we were experimenting um, with bucket feeders before we made the video on getting the getting the right size hole and the right size uh, uh, consistency made, I lost thirty. Just, I mean, just as fast as I could get the buckets on, I drowned at thirty. Oh my gosh. That, that's terrible. And then when you drown thirty hives and you open them up uh, and you've got you know your bottom board, it's a swimming pool. Next thing that happens, it's completely covered in hive beetles. Now you've got a, a, a hive beetle breeding ground that any other hives around you that are, are, are weak splits or have a, have a potential to be, um, rot, you know, have, be affected by the hive beetles, then you start seeing hive beetles in a lot more places. Yep. One of the tricks with um, of being successful with um, queens and queen castles um, and splits is, is get, getting to a situation where you, can, where you only need to keep two or three frames in a box. Uh, I for even from the beginning I didn't have that kind of time. So when I would do that and put two or three frames in a box, and I would come back twelve days later, you can imagine what happens on a split is oh, you have be it's, wax it's a mess. dangling everywhere. You're going to have beautiful fresh white brood comb drawn from the lid, and yep. that's where that new queen's at, and that's where all all of your eggs are. And now you're thinking, oh my god, you got to clean that up, get the queen down. How do I save any eggs? I can't. So I put them back in. You have to, they have to clean up everything all over again. So putting five frames into a five-frame box was my buffer because I didn't have the time. Well, that you know, it, it's a different program. It, it's, it slows them down, per se, to a certain degree, um, but it, it prevents me from them drawing like crazy and making a mess. Well, here's the downfall. You put five frames of drawn comb in a five-frame box, on a split, can you guys imagine what that what happens next? Five frames of drawn comb. Put five frames of drawn comb into a five frame box. That's for that, that that's a split, a yeah. one or a two frame split. So you only have enough bees to cover one frame, mm. but you've got five frames in there. Wouldn't they all just stay on that frame where there's? Yeah, brood? that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Guess what moves into all those other frames? Hive beetles and wax moths. Bingo. Well, it depends what's in the frames. If there's any pollen oh, no. there, the, the empty. Any hint of pollen? Any hint? Because you're making a split, so you yeah. have there's you've got honey in there. Yeah, you've got a little bit of pollen. Any 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 hint? Yeah. The hive beetles, I swear, they've they've got some kind of a, of a power like yellow jackets or other bees do, where they can detect and sense the energy, the vibe the strength of a hive and they will prey on that weakness 
like they they just I don't, I don't know maybe it's not science maybe I'm just a goofy hillbilly but they, there's something to it to where they detect that and that's where they move in and then so now all of a sudden where everything was doing great all I had 30 or 40 boxes of splits um, even with queens that had just came back but there wasn't enough brood yet to where I lost probably another 35 40 hives and hive beetles alone I've had enough hive beetles this year crawling larva to fill a five-gallon bucket. Wow. Yep. Probably twice. So, Chicken food. You get into a situation, well, you, you would think that, and long the chickens eat them all, but then if they don't, and the hive beetles escape, and they burrow back under the ground again, to develop into a, a mature live hive beetle, now we have hive beetle breeding grounds all over the place. What did you end up doing with all the larva? I let them in a bucket, let them get rained in, and let them drown okay i also was had a a blowtorch out and was just torching the bottom boards (laughs) like crazy it actually smelled amazing like uh roasted hive beetle actually smells pretty good when you get a little of that honey and propolis on it Mm. maybe it's maybe it's my next big uh maybe i had a bumper crop in hive beetles this year i'll be honest something you want to make some like candles some some kind of snack we we did make a lot of we we have been making candles and we're probably making a lot more candles that'd be a permaculture thing for this year yeah, totally would. Totally Hive would be. beetle candle. So you get the situation where we we've learned from Don how to make bees and how to do it well. The only problem is I don't. I'm not in a position where I have the time to follow through with a lot with a lot of those methods right now. And so going crazy and making queens and things like we did and making splits. If I if I could do it full time, oh my gosh, yeah. That making making the bees. Um, isn't the problem the time to build equipment has been a problem the time to properly manipulate the hives and do right by them that's been a big problem because all the time is being put um into to the addition we were talking last night you know what does you know, we're always planning at least a year ahead you have to plan at least a year ahead oh for sure we've talked about it and we, if you look if you go back to the older shows when i've asked you guys well what are your goals for next year that's going to dictate what you do right now and the rest of this year mm-hmm. so you can get set up to win so you know we're thinking about okay well we know how this year went with the b run and sales um which would it was an amazing good time uh it was it was successful okay what do we want to do next year and and how do we get into a position where we can make that happen with all the feedback that we've learned from this year. So that's kind of where we are. Uh, I had goals where, you know, I wanted to have 100 or, or 150 hives. I met and surpassed that. Problem is, I'm not going to be able to go into the winter with those numbers because at the most critical point in time is when we go into a Darth and you need even more management. Yeah. I didn't have it. And I. I got wiped out. I lost a, a bunch to hive beetles. I lost. Uh, I washed one swarm. Fourth, it was the. It would have been the fourth of July. Uh, we had family here visiting, and all, we're out in the front of the house. And you can just. Someone said, "Oh my gosh, look at all those bees!" It looked back. I mean, I, I watched one there swarm. There you go. Tried to catch them, split them out. I ended up saving some of the volume of bees and splitting them out. But that was one I caught. I guarantee you, I probably had um, thirty hives swarm. I probably had another 30 hives completely abscond. Now I don't feel so bad. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. The time that I've spent just cleaning up, uh, you know, dead outs, absconds, moving stuff around, not to mention the 
the the woe and suffering that you put upon yourself because you're kicking yourself in the ass because you put yourself in the position to succeed and you work so hard to do it and then you take the time to do something else at first you know there's like i think there's like steps to grief i don't know exactly what they are but you start with you know anger or whatever you mean the seven steps of grief whatever that it is and you get to the point to where the last one's acceptance and that's where I'm at now is I've accepted that I don't I, I, I didn't have the time to meet the goals that I had in the, in the first part of the year. Yeah. And I had no idea what that would look like until I actually did it. We oh, talked yeah. about that like on the phone the other day about like at the beginning of the year, like everything looks all hunky dory, you know, because we don't especially being in business for ourselves. Yeah. Like we don't know what's ahead in the next, you know, month or two months as far as our workload goes. So everything looks great at the beginning of the year. Like, oh yeah, we got this. But all of a sudden now you got all these jobs coming in and you're like, What do I do? What do we do next? Because there's there's this little tricky word called priorities. And a lot of that is financially motivated for us because that's how we make our living. That's how we support our that's how we put the bread on the table. Unless you're keto, then you need less bread. You just need more meat, which is even more. Uh, so it's 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 a very complicated. It what I'm what we're going through right now. Bees are a symptom of it. We're trying to figure out a lot more of these things. How how it pertains to not only what our goals are for the bee yard and how we follow through with those, but with every other aspect of the farm. Yeah. So her and I are going to record a podcast soon. Where we're gonna probably dig into that in more details, not so much that there are details that I'm not sharing today. It's this is like a live, fluid mental process, um, and so her and I are gonna spend a little bit more time uh, detailing that out. <laughs> yeah, you gotta hash it all out. And so, we're, so yeah. right now we are smack dab in the middle of. I've gotten past the the, the stages of grief. I'm in acceptance. Um, here's the feedback. Now what do I do? Uh, we know what we want. Uh, out of life and we there's some things that we're going to be even further folks have heard us talk this year about cutting back from last year on things that we've done in the year prior every year we keep calling and thinning to focus on the things that are most important to us uh and bees is at the almost the very top other than the well-being and, and and safety and health of our family um, we have this addition that needs to get finished because this is there's still one more phase of addition to go after this push. The bees are the next thing. Um, the business uh, aspect is the big umbrella over all of that, which is my regular job and that we that I own the the, the, the inspection business. That's that is the most important thing where our time is is needs to be appropriated to that and our family. And so from underneath of there, where can we where do where, where can we make the time for the B yard and the addition? And then anything else outside of that is way back burner. We've cut back on a, a tremendous amount of social gatherings uh, and things of that nature that we do, that we host, that we go to, that we involve ourselves with. Uh, a lot of things are have been put on the butcher block um, because we're extremely ambitious. I would say over ambitious most of the time. That's how we roll because we almost we almost like to set ourselves up to a situation to where we can push the limit. We can get all the way to that line as fast as we can. So then we have the rest of our life to act on what we've learned. And so that's a hard, fast way to live. Um, that that's kind of how we're wired. So 
Um, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of uh, unfolds and what we do um, here in the B yard. It'll be even more interesting to see how the three of us, what we do with what we've learned again from this year. What does that look like next year for us? You know, that's gonna definitely be interesting. Every year has been so different it for has each been. of us. Yes, and each in each time there's another wake up call that changes our plans. And uh, I think honey harvesting this year is going to be one of those for us. So, still in the middle of it, but well, things might be changing for us again. Honey looks beautiful when it's in one pound jars, and you picture mile lines of people buying it, and everyone's happy, and you've got a product. It's the what it takes to get it into a jar and to yes. get people in the line, or it's like, hmm. I was just visiting with with uh, work friends of mine uh, pertaining to, the, to the, the flooring business, and we were talking, and it totally relates to beekeeping and farming. It's like most of the time, it's not the the product itself; it's it's the the working with people aspect that's the most difficult part. Whether it's a customer or yourself, uh, and understanding where we all fit into that mix. Uh, can be real, a real challenge. So I know there's folks listening that uh, if they thought that they were listening to a podcast about three guys from Ohio who magically have figured out how to keep bees uh, and be millionaires uh, and be just so happy and positive and just the Instagram fake life about it, I hope they heard this one. <laughs> it's, well, it's not hard to be a millionaire in beekeeping. You start with three? Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of interesting you bring up uh, the changes that we all we're all going through, and and this past year for me, you know, beyond the bees, has been kind of I've been going through a lot mentally this past year. Uh, you know, you know, just losing friends, and you know, and trying to get through life and figuring things out. And so it's just kind of you know it's it's been a big mental game for me. And there's one thing that I learned this past year that's gotten me through everything. Is that there's the only universal constant that there is is change. It's true. And once you can figure that out, things are so much easier going easier going forward. And that, I think that applies so much to what we're talking about here. So like, you can't think that you figured it out and that's it. And, and like, that's how I'm going to do things. No, the only constant there is in this universe is change. And you know what? Be the change and embrace the change. Exactly. And so when you're when that that's it. I mean, if you just look at nature, I mean, you could take it as simple as you want it. it we make things so complex and we get so stuck inside of ourselves. We don't see the, some things that are so simple. But this is September. Yeah. And you look outside. We're we're we live, pretty much live in a forest. Every leaf is changing colors. They're falling off the trees. They're changing. And then winter comes. And then it's changing. And it kind of always goes in these cycles. You know how we do better by living uh, in nature or how all the, when, when, when all these things change? What's the next things? What's the next thing that happens? There's something changes. And then you personally do what? Grow. You grow because you've you adapt, but it, like even even on a larger scale, if you ever you ever had a woods that you're in for years and years at a time, the same woods. Oh yeah, 
that big tree falls down opens up a sunny spot and that sunny spot you got a bunch of saplings competing for who's going to be the biggest and best yep. same time now you got wonderful mushrooms growing out of that oak that's slowly sitting there decomposing it's always changing it's always evolving and then that's it that's it it life things everything changes you either adapt and grow or you don't and you die Either you die mentally, you die physically, you die spiritually, whatever that it might be. If you don't adapt to those changes, you die. Just like the ash tree. Just like the ash tree. Yep. It couldn't adapt to the emerald ash borer. You know, could it? And and that's why you know when we talk about like when people want like answers on how to do things, it's like well we don't have a direct direct answer for you. No. You know that's you know Google it. Depend, depends on your situation and and then even depending on your situation at the time being. That's gonna change again, come next season, next you know next year, and and I, I struggled with that especially years ago when I when I when I had first got into the permaculture community I struggled with the whys and the you know I don't have an answer for you and you know I like I just want an answer I want to know how to do this yeah and it's why like, don't you have a definite answer the yeah, frustration behind it and it was, it was so frustrating but you know you know now as you evolve and that's the one thing I could positively take away from the permaculture community is that there is there is no answer. It always depends. That's really purple of both of you. I did have a purple monster drink for breakfast. He did. I could see the can from yeah. right now. That was a that was a that was fun uh, getting caught up with you guys and learning that we're all as equally broken and bad seemingly beekeepers as the rest of the world. I, yeah, I was worried about admitting that to to, to the world. Just, it's you know, okay, but we thought you guys were gonna like leave me with the with the the birds chirping. <laughs> <laughs> we should have just done that, James. You're terrible. Oh, oh my god! Yep, that's the thing. You know that, that the, when when you mentioned the ash tree, you know the ash tree couldn't adapt to the changes exactly, and it died. Yep, and that's also as beautiful if you take the time to think about it as adapting to a change. And growing, yeah. Because with and we, you know, with death, there's life. And when if you look at it personally and introspectively, let's say the the desire of having 15 hives this year, that was the ash tree that got ate up by emerald borers for you, and that died. Yep. But as Dan mentioned, it fell to the ground. Mushrooms took hold. Mycelium is now working underground. There's a network of ideas, of nutrients that's feeding everything else. That it's The beautiful thing about it, that mycelium is now underground feeding things that you don't see yet that are going to spring up and pop up in the spring or next year or in five years that are all a result of what, seeming, what could seem like failure, seem like death. And so it's it's a reminder that you know you have to just try to look at things, observe whatever it is that's going on, understanding like you mentioned everything is in constant change, and you have to adapt or die. And for an idea, for a goal, for a method to die isn't necessarily a bad thing. You have to give yourself uh, the freedom. To, to let some things die. Uh, and if that's a, a dream of being a commercial beekeeper, if that's a dream for uh, being the next next uh, ash tree nurseryman, 
whatever that might be, you have to you have to be good enough with it to to accept that feedback and just to you know keep doing the best you can with with what you have. So, so if you thought about this as a show about beekeeping, it's also about philosophy too. It's I mean and that and that's beekeeping. I mean it, it, when you really think about it. Now adapt or die. Just a short question for you. Okay. That would definitely won't lead to any rabbit holes Uh-oh. at all. Will bees ever adapt to the varroa? They'll either adapt or they'll die. Okay. Well, what are we going to do then with the two-thirds of the food in our grocery store that are pollinated only by honeybees? It's one-third. Oh, is it one-third? Yeah. Okay. At least there's not any native bees that pollinate. I know. Bees are the only things that make any food for you, Dan. I know. You knew that, right? That's why we yep. should save the bees. Exactly. That's so snarky and tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> I do want to leave this, this show with a quote, though, before you know, we wrap things up okay. from uh, Thomas Edison. Who is the inventor of the light bulb? You know, in case you don't know, um, <laughs> and the stealer of ideas, stealer of ideas, according to him. But that's a whole other like paranoid show, rap, you know, whatever. But he had said, "I have not failed. I have just found ten thousand ways that won't work." Yeah, that's a beautiful way to look at it. Or well, he just saw somebody else's idea and snatched it and called it his. Or that too. Way to just squash a beautiful <laughs> moment, Dan. Just leave it up to Dan to just. That's where I thought go. your quote was nice. How about we go Thank celebrate you, Christopher Columbus Day after this? Dan, this isn't the tinfoil show. <laughs> with, the, with the only man in the room that has Native American blood. How dare you? <laughs> well, wow, well. that was a, that laugh was short. <laughs> well, guys, I hope you've all found this as entertaining as we have. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. Be the change. Be the lighthouse. Embrace death. One hive at a time? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you in the next show, however things turns out. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Hey, that'll work. How about that?